Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to a brand new chapter in our study of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33 today, making some progress. And I think I promised you that we will be talking about a very familiar verse today. I love discovering familiar verses in the Bible because a lot of times the familiar verses that we know in the Bible are in a context that we don't understand. And it's so important to know the Word of God in its proper context. So let's jump into chapter 33 and verse number one, where the Bible says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. So moreover is a conjunction. It joins uh, the, the last chapter with this chapter. And in last chapter, we talked about how Jeremiah was in prison. And he was in the royal prison in Jerusalem at a very dark hour. He was in prison. The Bible gives us the exact time in the 10th year of Zedekiah. We know that Zedekiah was the last king in that Josiah line of kings, and he is going to be the last king of Judah because after him, the captivity takes place and Jerusalem's destroyed, and it's not until Zerubbabel comes back years later to rebuild that Judah even begins to become a nation again. So Zedekiah rules for 11 years. Well, in the 10th year, Babylon has already come. They've already surrounded the city, and Jeremiah is in a surrounded city. So in that sense, he's in prison. But then Zedekiah is so mad at Jeremiah for uttering these prophecies that that the city is going to fall, that Zedekiah puts Jeremiah in jail. So he's kind of in double jail. And we learned last chapter that a man visits him, a cousin visits him in jail. He buys that property. We talked all about it. Well, here in chapter 33, God sends another message to Jeremiah in that very same prison. That's what this chapter is. So look at verse for verse number one again. So the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. So while he's still in prison, it says that while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison saying, so here's what God has to say to Jeremiah in this second message. Verse number two, thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. So God comes to Jeremiah and introduces himself as the, the creator God, the God that is the, the, the creator, the mover, the shaker, the former, uh, the one that's in control. Uh, God is his name, Jehovah. And so I think the, the point here is, Jeremiah, you're going through some tumultuous times. And you're in a very trying place. And these are very difficult days for you and the people of God. So God says, but this is who I am. 
and this is what I do. And this is the power that I have. And I think that there's a great template there for you and me, which is during the most difficult times of our lives, where we have a million question marks and it seems as if everything is falling apart, these are great times for us to realize that our God is the same. He's the same from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Creator. The Lord is His name. He is real. His power has not failed. And so God comes to Jeremiah in the strength of that reputation. Now look at verse number three. God says to Jeremiah, call unto me. Here's the verse that we all know. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, I think too often we take that verse and just kind of yank it out of its context and use it as a prayer promise about whatever you want. Well, just call unto me and I will answer thee and I'm just going to give you things beyond your wildest imagination. And I guess there's an element of truth in that, but that's really not the context of what the Lord is saying here in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. What's the context? The context is, Jeremiah, you're in a vulnerable place. You're in prison. Even last chapter, Jeremiah prayed that long prayer saying, Lord, I bought this property. I don't really understand all the things that you're doing. This is difficult. And God answers that prayer and says, Jeremiah, there's nothing too hard for me. You know that. Uh, Let's rehearse this. I'm judging this city. They deserve it. I'm allowing this. I'm in control. But I, the same God that is powerful in judgment, will be powerful in restoration. And there's coming a day when these fields will again be Uh, will again be worked and planted and and watered and reaped. And there's coming a day when uh, I'll put my word and my spirit in the heart of my people. There's coming a day of permanence. The same God that judges is the God that restores. I am God. I am strong. So God has already said all of this. And now in this same situation, Jeremiah is still in prison. God comes to him and says, so Jeremiah, One great resource you have right now, knowing that judgment is coming, it's imminent, is you can still come to me, call unto me, and I will answer thee. There's still the the opportunity, the prerogative of a relationship with me. I'm listening. I'm attentive. I will answer, and I will show you things. I'm going to bring you into the know about things. I will uh, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great, incredible things, mighty things, which thou knowest not. What's the point? The point is, Jeremiah, there are things you don't understand about all of this. Now, God's explained a good deal. Last chapter was a big explanation, wasn't it? But Jeremiah, trials bring confusions. A trials... They bring murkiness. Why? Because it's almost impossible in a trial that we are experiencing to have a level of objectivity because we feel the pain. We see people suffering. 
We endure those seasons and it's easy to become discouraged or even misinformed because we give greater credence to the pain and frustration of the situation than we do to the veracity of the still and small voice of God. So what is our resource? Our resource during times of pain and trial and tribulation and confusion and murkiness and all of it is prayer. Call unto me. I will answer thee. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to illuminate your thinking in ways that you don't understand because I'm doing things that are above you. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So for you to see it my way, you're going to have to ask me and then I will show you these mighty things. You know what verse this really is akin to in the New Testament? It's the verse that you find in James chapter 1. Because in James chapter 1, the first 12 verses of James chapter 1 deal with the inevitable trials that we face as believers. So James was writing to the 12 tribes that were scattered abroad. So he was writing to his Jewish brethren, probably many of whom had been under James's ministry as a pastor uh, there in Jerusalem, but are scattered now and undergoing persecution. And James says, count it all joy when you fall into divers, different kinds of trials and temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh or produces patience. But let patience or perseverance, we would say today, have her perfect work that ye may be perfect. That means mature and entire, complete, wanting, lacking nothing. But then the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and it braideth not and it should be given him. What is God saying there? God's saying in the trial, sometimes it's hard to understand moment by moment or day by day, what's happening? God, what are you doing? How long will this take? And God, this doesn't seem right. So in the trial, ask for wisdom. Wisdom is a view of the situation from God's perspective. That's what wisdom is. It's a view of the situation from God's perspective. So ask for that. And I will show you what I see that you don't understand. I will give you a perspective about your trial that you could not and would not otherwise see. It's really what the Lord is saying here to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show thee uh, great and mighty things which you just don't understand yet. So what do we need in the trials of life? What do we need in the murkiness of unpalatable situations. We need the wisdom that only God can give, but that God gives in answer to our prayers of faith. That's why James goes on to say, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. The point is, Trials ought to purify our vision, to make us say, I only have one resource, and that one resource is God. 
and God, I'm pretty confused right now, and I don't know what's happening. Uh, I'm a little discombobulated, but Lord, help me to see. I'm trusting you. Give me wisdom. And through his word and through the answers to prayer, God does just that. We see it in James 1. We see it here again in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Wow, I just glanced at the time, and I think that's where I'm going to stop because verses 4 through the next 7 or 8 verses kind of expands upon that. I don't have time to complete that today, so we'll, we'll do that. We'll stop right there in verse number 3. Pray for wisdom. Uh, God says, uh, I will give to all men liberally and upbraid him not if we'll ask him. If we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. So ask him, even in your situation right now, and he'll show you great and mighty things, which you know not. I hope that helps. We'll jump into verse number four next time. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.